Blog Talk Radio. Do you want to elevate your mind? Do you want to shift your life? Well, sit back and relax. It's time for another episode of The Shift with Skip. Get ready to roll. Well, 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 well. Hello, everyone. Get ready to roll and happy hump day. Happy Wednesday. And welcome to The Shift with Skip. And I am Skip Jennings, your host. And uh, welcome. We are um, excited again about the show. Um, Shout out to producer Marie. She's been bringing some great guests on, but we're really excited about this show. But before we get into the show, what we always do, we always ask those questions for today, for this week, to help you shift. And uh, we always talk about journaling as a big part of the transformation that we do in our work, in our life, in our families. So I'm going to ask you to journal this week about mindful eating. Mindful eating, because our um, show today is around vegetarian to vegan. But mindful eating, let me ask you a question. Are you mindful of the food that you're putting into your body? I want you to journal about that. Are you mindful of the food that you are putting into your body? And mindfulness means aware. Are you awake? Are you up? Are you clear? Um, Another question I I want to throw out there, are you eating foods that love you back? Because not all foods love you back. How much processed foods are you putting into your diet? How many living foods? We, we always talk about the living foods and the properties of living foods here at The Shift. And Deepak Chopra talks about the sun-infused foods, the foods of the rainbows. So we're thinking of the colors of the, the rainbow, the, the yellows, the orange, the reds. So we're talking about green peppers. We're talking about red peppers, yellow peppers, bananas. We're talking about strawberries. We're talking about tomatoes. We're talking about carrots. We're talking about all the plant-based diet foods, foods that's been infused by the sun, and that's the foods that love us back. And what we always say at the shift, that we want to just give you the information around mindful eating. We're not telling you you have to eat this way or not eat this way, but you're always going to get information from us at the shift. Just to follow up with the conventions that I'll be at this summer, and we're just announcing these, and next week they'll be in the newsletter, so don't forget to go to theshiftradio.com, and you can get the newsletter, sign up for the newsletter. And we will be putting these convention dates up on the uh, the newsletter. So Atlanta Mania coming up, and that's July 11th to the 13th, coming out to Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. There I'm going up to CanFit Pro. I'll be up there for Toronto CanFit Pro, and that's August 6th through the 10th. Then World Idea, right here in California, in Anaheim, it is August 13th through the 17th. Dallas Mania, August 22nd through the 24th. Midwest Mania, and that's in October 24th to the 26th. Boston Mania is November 7th through the 9th. And we're adding on more dates where I'll be doing some public um, appearances and teaching classes at fitness conventions, talking about the new book that's coming out on August 8th. It is The Lotus Kitchen, which is vegetarian and vegan cooking to support your yoga practices. And, yes, that is a vegan book, absolutely, and we're working previously around getting this book out by August 8th, and it's a real good one. I've been living in this book for the last seven years. It's taken us a long time, but it's finally coming out 
uh, Lotus Kitchen. You'll hear more about that through the show. But let's get into our show today, and I'm really excited about what we're talking about. We're talking about Vegetarian to Vegan, and it's a great book by Sarah Taylor. And um, she has a really good take on, on, on vegetarianism and moving from vegetarianism to vegan. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And her book is out and about, and you can get that. And we'll talk about where you can get it later on. But her co-writer or the, the writer of the, um, of the author of the, the recipes is Mark Reinfeld. And he is a vegetarian, excuse me, a vegan cook. And he has some great recipes. So I want to welcome them onto the show. Hi, guys. Welcome to The Shift. Hey, thank hey, you for having us. Great to be here. <laughs> and they both have told me this is their first uh, uh, interview together. So we're excited that you guys have chosen the shift and to be a part of our show and for the first time together. Yeah, thank Definitely. you. Making the shift together, as you say. Make, <laughs> making the shift together. Thank you for using our... <laughs> Our title of our, of our show. We love it when, when, when guests do that, when they throw the shift. And one of the things that we, we love to say here at the shift is that we just want to give you tons of information to have a big shift in your life. So, Sarah, I'm going to jump right in with you. And I, I've read your book, and I, I'm excited about it because it gives me really great information, information that we have a tendency to kind of we hear it, and then we kind of put it on the back burner, burners, but we constantly have to be reminded of this information. What, what has been your journey to, to mindful eating and veganism, and, and what, is, what, is, what was your aha moment that you needed to shift? And this is for Sarah. <laughs> well, it's actually a funny story because um, I, I tell people that now the reason I choose to eat a vegan diet is for spiritual reasons. Um, but the reason I got into the vegan diet was for vanity reasons. And, you know, this was like 12, 13. <laughs> it was kind of, kind of a funny journey. But 12, 13 years ago, you know, I had been married for just a year, and I put on 10 pounds, and I hated it, and I wanted to get it off desperately. I was really upset about it because I thought, you know, by our 10-year anniversary, I'm going to be 100 pounds overweight. And I was in a hurry at the bookstore, and I grabbed a book off the shelf without looking at it. And the book, a really phenomenal book for people who haven't read it yet, it's called Diet for a New America by John Robbins. And I, I love that book. book. Oh, it's amazing. It's turned so many people vegan. And um, I grabbed that book thinking it was a diet book, and I went on vacation with it with nothing else to read, no other backup. And I opened it up, and I thought, oh, boy, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Because <laughs> I, had, I had nothing else to read with me, and I loved to read. I, I read the whole book, and as soon as I started it on it, I couldn't put it down. And it's kind of a funny story because, you know, the, the book is so well-researched and um, it was very compelling. I mean, it was, at the time, I was still eating fish and loads and loads of dairy products and uh, wasn't, I didn't even know what a vegan diet was. And my husband's a right. physician and I was reading this book and I was giving him statistics and, and stories and, oh, my gosh, listen to this, listen to this. And, you know, when I was done, I closed the book and I said, I'm going vegan. And my husband just mm. kind of looks at me with that, that look, you know. <laughs> and he said, oh, honey, you know, trust me, I'm a physician. You're not going to get enough protein. You're not going to get enough calcium. And I said, no, 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 the book talks about that. And they, what did they say? They said, oh, beans, beans, you know. I couldn't remember everything I'd read. I just remembered how compelling it was. And he was like a lawyer in court. He was so good that I, I wasn't coming up with good uh, arguments on why I should be able to go vegan. So finally I right. closed the book and passed it to him, and I said, look, you read the book, and when you're done, I'll argue whatever points you want to argue. And he said, okay. He picked up the book. He closed it two days later, and he said, I'm in. He's that compelling. Oh, 
Wow. You know what, that, that, that's pretty amazing, and, and I'm going to ask the same question, but, but Mark, before I ask you the question, um, one of the misconceptions that people don't realize that we can get protein in all plant-based diet, and the plant, but there's protein in everything if you do the research about it, and how much protein the body actually needs is very small. So I, I, we're going to talk a little bit more about, about that, but I, I, I love that. How, that's, a, that's a big question I get. How do you get enough protein? What do you get for your protein? And, and so people are always like, so Mark, how did you make the jump over? What did you do? What was your aha moment? Well, for me, I've, I like describing it as it's like walking through a door into a room and people who become vegan or start to include more plants in their diet basically walk through one of those doors, like either the health health and medical door, an environmental door, the animal rights door. And for me, I was on a kibbutz in Israel, and I started seeing animals in their natural setting. I grew up in New York, and I had never seen a baby cow prancing through the field before, and it just reminded me of my dog, and I started to make the connection with the animals that way. So for me, it was just realizing that the same love that I feel for my dog or cat, I actually felt towards goats and chickens and cows. So that was my, my entry point. Your aha moment, your entry point. Um, that, uh, one of the things that I, I'm glad that you're bringing this book to light and we're talking about this book because I have a lot of vegetarian friends I have a lot of vegetarian friends, and they're not willing to give up their eggs and their dairy, but they're willing to give up the, the cattle, and they're willing to give up the, the pig, and they're willing to give up all the animal except for this little bit of uh, the dairy. I love how you begin your book, and you talk about this. Yeah, we're saving animals by being vegetarian, but there's still these issues that we're dealing with. So, Sarah, let me ask you. What was what is that one reason do you think that people are still holding on to the dairy products? Well, oh, can I give two reasons? <laughs> they're, they're sure, quick. absolutely. Oh, you can give as many reasons as you want. <laughs> absolutely, sure, sure. <laughs> I, think, I think the first reason is that they think they know what's going on in the dairy um, farms and the egg factories, but they don't. Okay. And I thought okay. I knew when I went to write the book, and when I actually started reading the veterinary journals, I was a Astounded at how much I didn't know, and I was astounded at how bad it is. So right. I think the first thing is that they don't know. I think the second thing is they minimize it in their heads. Oh, it's just a little cheese on my burrito. What's the big deal? Oh, it's just a scoop of ice cream. What's the big deal? Um, but the argument that I would make is that all of these animals, whether they're in a dairy farm or on a cattle farm, whether they're in an egg laying factory or a chicken factory, you know, for meat, um, they're all going to be slaughtered in the same awful way. So that's point number one. But point number two is that the, the dairy cows and the egg-laying hens, you know, if you, if you read this book or you, you research it online, what you'll find is that they live lives that are absolutely horrific, you know, mm-hmm. really, really awful lives. And we can go into details later if you like, but, you know, the book has all these details about just how bad it is for them, and then they're slaughtered. So they have to live a life of health first, and then they're slaughtered. Whereas, like a chicken that's being brought up for meat, they live a they live a really bad life too, but it's a short life. Um, you know, a dairy cow will be on this farm for three or four years, suffering from diseases and mastitis and all these awful conditions, you know, lameness and hoof rot and all kinds of things, um, and then she'll be slaughtered. And, and I would argue that from a humane standpoint, if you want vegetarian because you felt so badly about 
slaughtering animals that you just couldn't do it anymore. I think once you open your eyes and you learn this information, you'll probably be more adamant about not eating dairy and eggs. I became more uh, awake about this the issue that you're talking about through a movie. I don't know, Mark, back in the day, did you, and not, not too long ago, Food, Inc. Did you, have you ever seen Food, Inc.? Definitely. Oh, my goodness. And it, yeah. that really shook me up. And when I got the information, I went, oh, my goodness. Well, Mark, why, why do you think, and, and I'm going to jump in and I'm going to claim this, I, I forget. Why do you uh-huh. think people like myself forget because I still am on my vegetarian diet, but I sometimes, right. like, like Sarah said, I will throw, a less, yeah, let's have a little bit of yeah. cheese on there because I'm feeling I need a little bit. And I forget, but it's not until well, we so, have these conversations. Yeah. Well, there's, it's a very deep issue, and there's a lot of levels to it. So there's just the basically the conditioning that we grew up with, and there are, patterns of eating and senses of comfort and traditions and family rituals that go for generations. So it's something that some people do make that that shift right away when they're presented with the information. Other people, it's just this process of awareness or growing awareness. And like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, to me, it is about mindful eating and, and just mindfulness in general, having that mindfulness really encompass our whole life so as much as possible. So really thinking about where the food came from and, and what's involved, I think it's, that's how the process begins. And uh, it's not easy. I think it's easier for people to shift their religion, I think, than their diet pattern sometimes. So. <laughs> I, I, my approach is, yeah, is usually encouraging, like, just a general transition with an awareness of, like, the impact that the choices have. And the way I see my role is I like designing recipes that show people that you can have this amazing world-class cuisine and never miss the dairy or eggs. So that's, that's how I right. see my role in the process. Right. And, you know, Sarah, you, you write about, and, and I love the fact that you were talking about the mindfulness because I, the decisions that we make even in our own diet and the way we buy food and we purchase food and what we eat affects the planet because it is really one of the issues that we have in, with the global warming right now and the, the carbons in the, in, in the air comes from our livestock. And people don't recognize the connection of vegetarian or vegan um, uh, diet that's affecting the planet. Sarah, wouldn't you say that? Absolutely. In fact, I mean, even I'll admit, having learned quite a bit about the environment through being vegan, when I actually sat down to research this book, I, again, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. And, and people, most people, I think, would never think that, you know, fish dying off in the Gulf of Mexico has anything to do with the food they're eating. Um, but it has everything to do with the food they're eating. And I don't think that most, most people would think that the Amazon rainforest, which creates a huge amount of, you know, the oxygen that we breathe, all those plants actually create the air that we breathe, it's getting cut down acres a minute. And I don't think most people would have any idea that that has to do with them eating cheese on their burrito. And it does. <laughs> it has everything to do with that. That's exactly why it's happening. So that and, you know, meat products as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, I really like to point that out and, point out all the ways that, yeah, you know, polar bears are dying. Yeah, that does have to do with exactly with our meat, meat problem. And the World Health Organization 
um, you know, backs this up with a lot of data that I put in the book as well. So not, you know, just, just kind of crazy environmentalists, you know, making crazy claims. It's like large organizations who are pointing this out and saying this is a major problem. You know, one of the things that I am really grateful for is, you know, like-minded people. I am surrounding myself here in L.A. with a lot of like-minded people, a lot of vegans, a lot of people who understand this. And we sit and we have these conversations, and we know what's going on, and we talk to each other. But And even with the information that's getting out there with the cutting down the rainforests and how this is, is affecting the planet, there's still not enough action that's happening that feels like the planet is shifting. I could be wrong, but it doesn't feel like we're stopping killing our Mother Earth. Mark, what do you, what do you feel about that? I think that it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a big, big issue, and I, I think there are pockets of us moving in that direction, and that it's like I'm of the school of thought of the every little bit helps school yep. of thought. So in my life, that's what I choose to emanate, like that focusing on that positive shift, and that I, I do, like for me, even if you have one meal, a week that's vegan, if everyone did that, it would dramatically shift the the equation on the planet. So We talk about meatless like Mondays all the time. We yeah. talk about meatless Mondays all the time. And I, I, too, believe that that's why I'm doing this show, to do to help, help people to have their own personal shift because I know it's going to affect the planet. That's why I do the show. So every little bit helps. Sarah, can you please talk about cage-free versus free-range um, and organic eggs? Because I, this, this is the one that really woke me back up to, oh, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right, I forgot. Yeah. This is a huge chapter. Yeah. <laughs> this is a huge chapter for me, and um, I was really still ignorant to the fact that free range. Here's the real truth about free range, boo. Here it is. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. could you talk a little bit about that? You guys can both talk about that. I, I think this is something that we all need to know. Yeah. Sure. Do you want to start, marker? Well, you, you, you could provide the data. I'll, I'll chime in. Okay, sure. <laughs> I love that. Teamwork, yes. Teamwork makes the dream work. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. You know, I, I lectured on this for the Vegetarian Society of Hawaii before the book came out, and I must have had about eight people come up to me after the lecture and say, I will never eat another egg again as long as I live. And mm. I thought, wow, this data is really compelling. Um, so... Basically, what I think a lot of people are under the misconception that if if a box of eggs is stamped with cage-free or free-range or organic, any of the above, that that means that it's cruelty-free, and that the egg right. that the, the chickens must be running around on a, on a beautiful rolling hill somewhere, you know, pecking the ground and having dust baths like they should be. And it's mm-hmm. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> that was me. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. they're singing, they're, yeah, they're singing, the hills are alive, and they're running around with their little piggy friends, and they're just, oh, I'm going to lay an egg for Skip. Here I am, bam, right. and go right. running off. Yeah, I was so right. in that. Absolutely. Right, and I think that, you know, they've they done such a good job marketing it, because not only do we believe that, but we actually feel proud that we're spending more money because we care about the animals, when in fact the animals are being treated horribly in most of, not just most of those conditions, 
the vast majority of those conditions. Like over, over like 90, 95% of eggs that come from organic free-range, you know, cage-free farms are actually coming from horrible conditions. So let me give an example. Um, <clears throat> cage-free simply means that the chickens are not in cages. And that sounds great, but what happens is that instead of having, you know, rows of cages stacked on top of each other with feces falling down and, and chickens, you know, literally cannibalizing each other, pecking each other to death, um, you know, causing all kinds of injuries to each other, and that's why their beaks are cut off when they're, when they're baby chicks, is that when they peck each other, they can't do as much harm. Um, <clears throat> so instead of having all that in a cage, they still have all of that, but it's actually in, like, this open warehouse where they've just got layers of chickens that are free to run around, but really they can't run around because they're packed so tightly together they can't they can't. Mm. And so what happens is that when you hear free range, that means that they have to have some, this is literally like a definition of the FDA um, or the USDA, I can't remember which one. They have to have some access to the outdoors. And for many egg, egg factories, some access to the outdoors um, re results in two things. A, they get shipped from, from the, you know, hatchery over to the warehouse and they have to go outside. So that, that counts as there's some access to the outdoors. The other thing you'll find is that you'll have this huge warehouse. And if you're standing at one end of the warehouse, you can hardly see the other end because it's so far. And there's so many chickens that, you know, you can't move without stepping on them. And at the far, far end, there may be a little door if it's free range and they're supposed to have access to the outdoors. Right. And that door will open up into like a 15-square-foot pen. So if you are a chicken who happens to live right by that door, you may go in and out. But if you're, you know, 30 feet in or 300 feet in, you may never even know that door exists. And if you do oh. know it exists, there's no way to get there. You know, so these, these well. chickens are, you know, kept in filth and disease. And actually the, the rates of cannibalism go up from about 7% in a cage system to about 15% in a free-range or a cage-free system because they, they do go crazy. They, they have better access to each other, and so they actually cannibalize each other at higher rates. It's really sad. And on page 64, you give a really great chart. When you guys get this book, please go to page 64. There's a great chart that gives all the conditions affected by commercially raised hens um, cage-free and or what it says cage uh, supposedly cage-free um, <laughs> you know um, a, ra a free range all the conditions that happens to these beautiful birds and um, mm -hmm. we just need to be awake and aware Mark I know you mm -hmm. want to jump in on this conversation as well please do well for me like it's uh, everything I echo everything Sarah says. That's part of what drew us together was our, our mutual convictions on the topic. Like, I for me, it's like looking. It go. It does go back to like the mindfulness of like what eggs actually are. Like, what is? It's like this whole idea of like what's. There's no such thing as like a hamburger or a hot dog. Like, if you describe what a hamburger and a hot dog actually is and the process that the animal went through to create that, it kind of becomes less uh, appetizing. And so for me, you know, someone living a plant-based lifestyle, that my perspective over time has shifted to where I see that, like, the milk, actually what the milk is and how it comes from another animal, and the same with, like, the eggs. If you think of, like, what a human egg is, 
and then you think, well, this is the, the equivalent in an animal. It just like loses its appeal to me. So that, that's that's <laughs> kind of my my uh, yeah, yeah me too. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I was just gonna say, I, I, I lost. Yeah, when when it comes to like drinking milk, a friend of mine, actually, uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith from you know Copy, we had this conversation. Yeah. He, he's one of my spiritual leaders, and he said to me, he said, "Do you understand that when we drink milk, or when humans drink milk, we're the only species that continue to drink milk after we have grown up? We continue to eat from another species. Think about that." Yeah. Then he said to me, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and this was the big shift I had. He said to me years ago, he says, when you, I, I'm going to say it because it's my show, so I can say it. When you eat an egg, you're eating, you're eating a chicken abortion. That's what you're eating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going, dude, are you kidding me? He says, skip. Yeah. And that was my yeah. big shift into yeah. being more awake. Okay, go ahead, Sarah. Right. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, you know, I want to <laughs> Sometimes you guys just call a thing a thing. I'm glad we're toning it down, Skip. <laughs> you just got to call a thing a thing sometimes, you know? <laughs> Let's just get real here. find a farm, maybe, you know, a few miles from their house where they can actually see that it's, it's a lovely farm, the chickens are right. running around on the green pasture, because I have a lot of people say that. And uh, they'll say, you know, I, I make a big effort, and I go and I get my eggs specifically from this farm, and I see the chickens. And I think that's fantastic. If someone's going to go to that kind of effort, that's great. It's not necessarily great for their health, but it's great for animal welfare. Right. And mm-hmm. um, sure. I really commend people who go to that effort but what I do want to point out is that every time you eat out at a restaurant or you eat out at a friend's house, you're not getting eggs from that, that same farm. And right. so, you know, keep that in mind because I think a lot of people, they, they think, oh, I've solved the issue with eggs. I'm getting them from a really humane source, and I feel good about that. But then they go out to eat four or five times a week, and they're not really thinking right. about where those eggs came from. So. And again, yeah. again, I, I got to say this. I got to throw this in one more time that we we are not bashing you, uh, listeners. You guys, you know me. It's Skip here. We're not bashing you that you are going out. You're going to McDonald's, but we're going to tell you, yo, listen up. This is what's happening when you go to McDonald's or when you eat out. This is what 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 the real real is. This is the real deal. So um, one of the things I, 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 I got to ask Mark, and you guys, you both travel, because, you know, Sarah, you're in Denver right now. I travel almost every single week. I'm, I, in fact, I'm, I'm going to Calgary on, on, on Saturday. I'm there overnight. Sometimes when I'm in the airport and I can't find anything that doesn't have meat in there, and you know what I end up having is French fries. And I just, yeah. like, oh. <laughs> Help me out when I travel, please. I need help. Tell me. What can I do? Sarah, help me. <laughs> well, I'm sure we can both help you. I literally am in a plane every week of the year. I mean, maybe one or two weeks I don't get in a plane, so I am with you. It's, you know, it's a vegan traveling. I have not found it hard, personally, but you don't have a lot okay. of choices. So if, you're, if you're picky, that can be a problem. You know, if you're happy eating a lot of salads and fruits and things, that's fine. But what I always say is, Find a Whole Foods or a natural food store or, you know, wherever you get your groceries and, and just go there before your trip and pick up a, a, a vegan sandwich or something for the flight and pick up, you know, some nuts right. and cheese and nuts, whatever's going to work for you because that's going to be the best way that you're going to get to eat what you want to eat and make sure that it's healthy and vegan. And hopefully, you know, if, if you can make it happen, you know, 
cruelty free, GMO free, everything else too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, that would be. And you do have yep. a chapter on travel. You have a chapter on travel, and, and which is really great. Thank you for giving us the tools to do it. Um, the other the other tool that I love is uh, what happens when you like hosting and when you are a vegan guest at a dinner party. I I think it's it's pretty amazing, and and you give some great ideas about hosting and and being a guest. Can you give us a few of those, Sarah? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. For those who don't know how the book's laid out, I spent the the book's divided into three parts. And the first part is why. Like, why would you go from a vegetarian to a vegan diet and give up dairy and eggs? And to me, that's that's the gist of the book. But then I thought, once people have the motivation, they need to know how to do it. They need to know how to travel, how to you know have people over at their house, how to go to someone's house as a guest. You know, all these different you know things that just crop up because if you're not prepared for them that's when you're likely to say, oh, I'm just going to get French fries or I'm just going to get, you know, a cheese burrito or whatever you can find. And Mm -hmm. I really wanted people to be prepared. And then the last section of the book might be the best section of the book. (laughs) They're they're Mark's recipes. You know, and Mark, if you haven't ever bought one of Mark Reinfeldt's cookbooks, he's written a plethora of cookbooks, including the entire 30-Minute Vegan series of cookbooks, you know, 30-Minute Vegan, 30-Minute Vegan Asia, 30-Minute Vegan Europe, and so forth. Um, he really shows, for any of you who are sitting out there thinking, well, I can be vegetarian, but vegan, oh, that just sounds awful. I'm going to be eating twigs and, bre- you know, tw- twigs and um, berries my entire life. This is going to be terrible. I mean, Mark Reinfeld shows that you can cook quick meals that are fully vegan and really, right. really, like, mouth-watering, things that you would serve a company and not have any qualms that anyone's going to, like, crunch up their face and go, oh, this is vegan. <laughs> and and yeah, go to so. Vegan Fusion, Mark. I'm going to blow you up here because Vegan Fusion, okay. I am stuck. I'm a fan uh-huh. of your site. Oh, I got so thanks, much information guys. and doing my research about you, and, um, and I love European cooking. I love Europe. So I, that is my next book I'm buying is a 30-minute you know, vegan taste of Europe. I got to nice, get that nice, book nice. because I love European food. And yeah. also, um, but you give so much information about how to have a really amazing vegan life. Amazing vegan life. So thank you for Vegan Fusion. It's veganfusion.com, guys. Check it thank out. Check it out. And you got great recipes in the book as well. Great recipes yeah, in the book. Yeah, that was my goal really is just, like I, I do see my role is just helping people realize that they can have, like, ultimate world-class, cuisine of like the highest caliber from plants basically a plant-based diet and uh that goes a long way i used to be quite a more of an in-your-face animal activist and i found that like preparing food for people and having it be having them be aware in such like a primal level that the food tastes good that that can help people a lot make the shift so, you know, and Mark, i got to ask you about tofu, and that's a big question I always get. But before I do that, you know I love me some cornbread, man. you got vegan cornbread up in the book. I'm like, yeah. I'm in, okay? I love me some vegan cornbread. So I'm still doing this uh, recipe. But talk about tofu and um, the big controversy about men eating tofu. I get that all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of uh... – a lot of information out there, conflicting information, and uh, right. a lot of times you'll see something like 
coconut oil is bad for you brought to you by the olive oil foundation or right. you know, there's a lot of exactly you just have to really look at where the information is coming from and sure. basically my my under there is a controversy around soy and my opinion is soy is one of like the most highly studied foods that we have and it's been part of the human diet for thousands of years like mainly in its cultured form and in moderation so that's like tempeh and miso and uh tomato soy sauces and uh like andrew weil dr weil chimes in that it's mainly soy and it's the isolated when it's the soy protein isolates that become more of an mm-hmm. issue but for me personally like especially in the whole form like tofu or tempeh in moderation i think it's a good food source for most people. Some some people do have soy legitimate, like soy allergies. So if sure. you have a reaction to it, then cut back. But I, I like to really show how versatile it is, and you can make amazing, like, cutlets and use it in quiches and scrambles. So I like like to use it definitely. I, I love tofu scrambles. They're just one of my favorite uh, things to, to cook, and, and I love being creative with it because you can take tofu and you can make it. And I like putting, like, nutritional yeast in there, which just gives it that eggy feel to it, which actually, right. absolutely is kind of rich. It makes it rich. There's great things you can do with it. Um, dining out, and, Sarah, this is amazing. You give really good tips about dining out. And you say call ahead. That's a great one there. Scan the menus for vegan items. That's another question I always get. I can't find anything on the, on, on the menu, but really look hard. And he, says, he also says, you know, tell them what you want and see if the cook can be creative. Have you found that to be your practice when you go out, Sarah? Yeah, in fact, um, kind of a good rule of thumb is if you're going to a nicer restaurant, just let the chef go crazy because in nicer restaurants, the chefs will probably be better trained. And I have, and I can't count the number of times that I've been sitting there at some steakhouse or something awful. <laughs> I find awful. And I'll say, tell the chef that I'm vegan and, you know, I need something that's completely plant-based and I'm, I'm happy with whatever it is as long as there's no animal products of any kind. And they'll come out mm. with a beautiful, colorful dish, you know, whether it's a risotto or, you know, just something really interesting. And all these people at the table, you know, they've got this big slab of brown meat on their on their plate, and they're looking down the table at mine going, well, I didn't see that on the menu. How did you get that? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I asked for something, else, you know. So in better restaurants, always ask, you know, unless you see something you really want. But, um if you just ask the chef to, to just make something be very clear what vegan is and is not, because, you know, if you don't make it very clear, sometimes they'll make something vegetarian or something. Um, so that, that's one tip. Um, if you're eating at a, just more of a regular restaurant, it's really easy to just put something together. I mean, if you see spaghetti with meatballs on the table, I mean, on the menu, and then you also see, um, you know, mixed vegetables as a side dish, ask them to take out the meatballs and put in the vegetables, and you'll have a, veg, you know, a primavera pasta. Um, that's just one of many, many examples. But, you know, pizza without cheese, is, believe it or not, for those of you who can't imagine this, it's delicious. You know, just ask for extra red sauce, loads of vegetables, and it's really, really good. So, and, of course, there are all kinds of substitutes now. You can get diet on your cheese, diet brand, vegan cheese. It's just delicious, too. So, so you know, Mark. Mark, you actually said that you you're you're no longer the um, animal activist. I I don't I 
I can't imagine you not being an activist for animals. Sarah, let me ask you, are you one of those hardcore in your face vegan and don't touch me if you touch if you cook anything with me? What, what kind of what kind of vegan are you? And I can tell you too because I've gone through extremes, you guys. I have been how dare you? And I have held signs and I have I have gone to people that I am not touching that. And what you cooked? And two, I've mellowed out a little bit and I have a little bit more of a feel to respecting people. I respect, you know, I will sit there even if you're going to eat a cow. I will. I will sit there with you. So I've, I've mellowed. What, what kind of, Sarah, you and your, your journey to <laughs> where yeah, are you that's now? that's a good question. I love it. Because uh, it doesn't change. And I'll say that I was on the other spectrum and that I was so worried initially about, you know, um, being liked that I wouldn't be mm. I didn't want people not to like me. Um, so, mm-hmm. in fact, you know, my early books, I was actually afraid to bring up the real reason I went vegan, which was the animals, because I thought, oh, people don't want to hear that. I'm going to talk about, you know, oh, how fun it is to be vegan. You know, so my first book, Vegan in 30 Days, is more like this happy little how-to book, but it really mm, wasn't right. true in my heart, because the reason I went vegan was because what's happening to the animals is so incredibly sad that mm. I just want people to know. and. And so I'm definitely not an in-your-face vegan, but I'm very true to myself now, and I think I've just gained a lot of confidence as I've gotten older. Um, but, you know, what I, what I do really respect is somebody who takes the time to learn. And, if, you know, I met a guy recently um, on Maui who, you know, he, he, I said, I'd be happy to send me a copy of my book if you want, and he said yes, so I did. He read it. He emailed me back all these really thoughtful and philosophical questions, and he's not mm-hmm. vegan. But that's okay because I feel so happy that he took the time to learn and make a really well-educated choice. And to me, I, I have to respect that. I may not agree with it, but I really, really right. respect that. And so my goal is just to get people to open their minds and learn. And uh, so we're, we're, we're honoring. I love that. You're honoring someone's path. And, Mark, I'm going to invite you. Please create and pitch a vegan cook show a competition show because i am absolutely addicted to cooking i love cooking i i love it for me and i love the competition shows um uh-huh. and they always use animal products and i'm just saying uh, we need a vegan competition show or or a vegan cook show because when i watch them i'm going oh well maybe it's not so bad if i use a little cheese in the next right recipe. right right not- we, and so yeah. tv i gotta stop watching those shows because it really <laughs> it makes me i seriously it makes me go oh you know maybe it's not so bad if i use an egg and it is right. it really is well it's the cultural like influence you know and it's uh it's a very, you know, I've, I've been in this, on this path for over 20 years, and it's, to me it's very, there's a lot of complex social and psychological, emotional yeah. uh, energies surrounding it. So having that influence is definitely, you know, if you're in a room and everyone is doing something that's, like, normal to them and you have a little voice inside your head saying something doesn't feel right about this, like, you may not fully understand what that voice is, but the more you probe it, and, like, I I really appreciate how you frame this interview with the mindfulness because it it really does go back to that for me of just being mindful of what your emotional responses are. And a lot of times kids, there's some videos circulating, like, on 
YouTube where you see like a, a little kid, three or four years old, making the connection that meat comes from animals, and they, you know, they're. I think that part of us, like the more we listen to that, the more we'll naturally gravitate towards, you know, wanting to to gravitate more towards like plants as our form of right. sustenance. So, you know, we, we have about five minutes left, and we'd like to wrap up our show by asking a simple question to our guests. And, and the guests, we always ask, what does, Sarah, what does the shift mean for you? The shift for me means keeping an open mind and implementing what you learn, you know, as you, as you can. You know, some people don't move at the same pace, and that's okay. But, um, you know, just keeping, keeping that open mind and continuing to learn. And that causes mm. multiple shifts, you know, all year long for the rest of your life as long as you do that. I love that. that. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Right. Continue to shift, keep open, keep, keep the open-mindedness. Mark, what does the shift mean for you? For me, I like the, the Einstein quote about expanding our circle of compassion and that wow. I feel like that's a shift. Like people feel compassion for their family and their pets and their friends and their neighbors and the more you open your heart to compassion, to, to everything that you encounter in this world, I feel that that's the shift that the, towards the path of nonviolence. And, like, I do believe that, like Gandhi and Martin Luther King, like, that nonviolence is really the answer to, like, the crucial issues that we face. So opening the heart to compassion, I would say, would be the shift. Ahinta, we say in, in yoga, nonviolence, and I believe more people were vegan and, and did yoga, we have less wars. And that's, that's <laughs> I stick by it, I stand with it, and um, that's what I, that's it, that's it. Hey, hey, hey Sarah, um, where can we get your book, and where can we find you? Are you on, on YouTube? Are you on Facebook? <laughs> let our, yeah, let our people know, where do, you, where do you hang out? You on Facebook? Yeah, so it's called The Vegan Next Door, and my website okay. with the blog is TheVeganNextDoor.com. And okay. uh, the book is available on Amazon or at uh, VegetarianToVegan.com and a variety of other you know, booksellers across the country. Great, awesome. Mark, where can we find you? And uh, you have a plethora of books. I mean, you have so many yeah. books out there right now. And, and like you said, you've been doing this for 20 years. So please tell our, our listeners where they can find you and your books. Uh, veganfusion.com is the website, and we offer a newsletter, and we put out free recipes. And actually, I travel internationally now teaching these workshops and immersions, and uh, I will be in Los Angeles in September for a 10-day training. So I have events scheduled around the country where I teach people the tips and tricks on how to work with uh, vegan and raw food cuisine, and that's on the well, veganfusion.com. If I'm in town, I definitely want to check that out. So please stay in touch with, with the show, and that's Absolutely. pretty amazing. Are you on, are you, I know you're on YouTube. Are you on um, Facebook and Twitter and all that as well? Can we yeah, find you anything, on that? Yeah, just doing a search for Vegan Fusion, and you'll see our website and Facebook and Twitter oh. accounts are up there. Awesome. 
That is so yeah. cool. And um, we also do something on our newsletter. We do something called the Vegan Corner. Uh, every week, nice. Marie, our producer Marie, puts out the Vegan Corner. And so we Great. want to possibly, let's link up to your Vegan Fusion for sure. And we will bring light to Vegan Corner. We're going to use uh, maybe something that you put out. But I'm going to actually follow you guys on Facebook and Twitter and and, and sign up for your newsletters, and you have a fan here, and thank you for all the energy Thanks. that you're putting out, because I believe what you're doing right now is you're changing the planet. You're changing yeah. this planet for the good, and we're, we're just really grateful for that. We're thank making so much it for together, that. Skip. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We want to definitely stay, stay in contact with you guys. So thank you so much. And you guys, we always say this here at the ship. Please be the ship you want to see in your own life. You are the change. You are able to shift your life. So disbelieve. And um, remember, you can catch us at uh, theshipradio.com. You can go to Facebook. We are there. We're on Twitter as well. And um, sign up for our newsletter and connect with us. So until next time, thank you, everyone. And thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Mark. Peace and blessings. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome soon. interview. Thank you. So thank you very Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye.